Welcome to a very special episode of Nerds and Friends. Today, Carrie is going to pitch us the movie Hard Target. Uh, no, no, I am not. Uh, I need to save that. I need to save Hard Target. Uh, don't you fucking put that on me. <laughs> okay, what are we talking about today then, Carrie? All right, well, today, so uh, welcome to uh, Thursday Night Movie Pitch. Um, this is going to be uh, like a classic movie or something that you guys should check out. Um, I'm a huge cult movie fan, uh, like, like, like cult classics kind of movie fan or like kind of these off the beaten path ones. Um, but, uh, I'm going to like for the, for this first one, I'm going to go like a, a little bit, a little bit more general. And this is definitely aimed at like the, the now, like the younger generation, especially considering the, uh, the uptick in, um, in, in like really good, uh, Western movies that have been coming out. So uh, the movie that I'm going to talk about today is High Plains Drifter. It is a 1973 Clint Eastwood movie. Uh, it's one of those, uh, and, it's, and, it's a, and it's a dark Western, uh, is, which is really what makes it um, an, interesting, um, an interesting flick. Uh, it's influenced by Sergio Leone. I'm, I'm double checking right now on the IMDb because it's, it's going to, it's, it's bothering me. Oh, Clint, so Clint Eastwood directed it. And like, so actually tonally, this makes a lot of sense because this could very much be a prequel to uh, later Eastwood movies like Unforgiven. Uh, but uh, basically what you get is you get a really good, almost a bottle episode of a of a solid western it all takes place in this one real small town uh somewhere in the high plains and what you pick up really fast uh, i mean it's it's your classic clint eastwood western is in clint eastwood rolls into town and what you pick up with really fast is that the whole town is extremely uncomfortable that clint eastwood is there like some people think that they recognize him. Some people think that that's impossible because the dude they recognize is probably dead. Like it's, and it's, it's very much kind of a, uh, like it's, it's play, like it's a little bit of a mystery. It's a little bit, it's, it's, it's potentially a little bit supernatural by the end, but I like that. I'm intrigued already. Yeah. What, what you get to see is you get to see that real um, spaghetti Western influence on Clint Eastwood and how he made uh, his particular brand of the post-Western, which is the 1970s, late 60s uh, era of Westerns that jumped straight out of the uh, John Wayne, uh, white hat, black hat, like classic cowboy movies, like the right. um, the original, um, oh, I'm totally blind, I'm totally blind, where, where um, uh, <laughs> he plays Rooster Cogburn, God damn it. Um, True Grit. There we go. Ah. Um, so like you, you get like you get even though True Grit's a little bit more of the like the the later era, um, uh, good old John Wayne. But uh, what you get out of High Plains Drifter is a really good slow burn early seventies movie. Um, it's not too terribly long. Like you're not going to be watching a two and a half hour flick. But the cool thing about it is you get to see all these like classic Western archetypes nice. in the character, like because the, the the movie is not so much about Clint Eastwood's character because he's still playing kind of the man with no name. It's it's about the reaction of a character like this in a town that is itself implicitly guilty, 
and guilty of what or is that a mystery that i need to watch the movie to find out that's 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 kind of part of the mystery in, in an interesting way like it's it like you feel like you pick up on it pretty quick but the uh like the interesting thing about it is it's it's very much a uh um you know you know what? i i don't i don't want to spoil the ending except for the fact that he he literally makes them paint the town red um and it's it's this it's this fascinating uh it, it's just this fascinating little study of a of a western movie in that very dark genre and it's it's something that's fun to just kind of like put on the back put on in the background if you're feeling kind of westerny it's something that's fun to just uh go forth and um and like try and analyze it because what you'll see yeah. uh in a lot of different ways is you get to see where uh where Clint Eastwood now or you know let's just go with like kind of his peak western unforgiven like you get to see where that comes from and you get to see very much uh Clint Eastwood's mentality and his ability to really set up what is a good uh western movie that's awesome okay so um do you have any? Do you have any questions about about said movie, or or like any any uh, clarifying information? Hmm, I'm trying to. I mean, you've done a great job of pitching it, so I must think if I have any questions. Um, obviously, I don't want spoilers because I want to watch this movie already. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, does Clint Eastwood have like? Is there a cool villain he faces off against, or is it the mystery and the intrigue of who he is and what the town has done. That's kind of the main antagonist. That's kind of the cool thing is, is the thing I really like about this story is that there's not really a villain in, in a traditional sense. Um, Actually, there's a good chunk of Clint Eastwood movies where he does a, he does a really good job of being the one guy against a corrupt system or a corrupt group. Um, if I'm going to go with another Clint Eastwood movie, that's a fucking classic that that needs to be watched by more people is The Gauntlet. Um, I've never heard of it. The Gauntlet, the Gauntlet is one of those fantastic, this could be a Dirty Harry movie, uh, Clint Eastwood cop flicks. Um, okay. And and the, the cool thing about that is is the is the kickoff to it. Like, first of all, like one of the great things about good 70s action flicks, especially ones that are a huge chase the whole time, like The Gauntlet ends up being it's all practical effects the whole time and it's cool, cool as fuck. Yeah. And the cool thing about the gauntlet itself, uh, it starts off looking like a dirty Harry movie until like nine cop cars and dudes with automatic machine guns pop up outside a house where police was supposed to be picking up a witness and they shoot the fuck out of the house to the point where it collapses. Whoa. And that's a good, like genre bender twist. Yeah. It, well, and that's the thing it's a really good genre bender twist because basically it's, it's the, it's the lone paragon cop versus the, the dirty, um, the, the dirty uh, precinct thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because you find out by the end of it, the, the, the real big bad is the, is like the police commissioner of the city that, that Clint Eastwood works for. Wow. And he's sent because he's like, he's the local drunk. He's the fuck up. Um, uh, but he's also a fucking cockroach. Like you cannot kill him. That's and, awesome. 
And that's what's so fun about it. And I like, and that's, and like, he's not, it's not that he's fighting one villain, it's that he has to actually get through a gauntlet. And that's, that's kind of the cool thing about High Plains Drifter in a big way, too. Yeah. It's like, it's not that there's a villain, it's that you, you, you get to see the circumstance of, of, of one dude standing up against a little bit less, less in High Plains Drifter than it is in, in the gauntlet. You get to see a guy that's coming up against something where the odds are absolutely stacked stacked against him. Um, but the cool thing about High Plains Drifter is how fucking cool he plays it the whole time. That's like, awesome. The dude is basically a proto-punisher in the movie. And um, you know, now, now that I'm now that I, I I'm off on the timeline, I'm not sure when the Punisher was introduced versus High Plains Drifter, but yeah. that is kind of what makes it a a, a cool uh, a cool version of a western. Okay, in that way. that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I assume I assume there's at least one good standoff and like drawdown at noon type thing. Oh yeah, and the great thing is, uh, th- well, here, so here's the cool thing about that. Um, starting with the spaghetti Western, you really got, uh, you really got a good, uh, breakdown of that particular trope. The, the standout, the standout in the middle of the street, you, you got, you got to see people like fighting a little bit dirty. And the first real action scene in high plains drifter is actually a scene where Clint Eastwood's going in to get, uh, uh, shaved at the barber. And, uh, he has a shootout with some guys because he has his gun drawn underneath the barber's cape. Oh, cool! And it's it's like five ten minutes into the movie, maybe because you know it's a western, so the first ten minutes is going to be some dude riding a horse on the horizon. Of course. Um, but when he rolls into town and these guys immediately like try to try to like pull one over on him, it's not I'll see you at noon. It's yeah, you you think I'm fucking around, dude? Like he 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 comes in, he freaking. Uh, he lays down the law nice. and, uh, and the, the, the don't fuck with me law immediately. And then the rest of the movie, the tone is set off of that. And you're seeing people like some people are trying to get on his good side. Some people are really trying to avoid him. Some people really just want his ass dead. Like, <sighs> like they maybe potentially kill him at one point. Uh, maybe he's always been dead. Like it's, it's a very interesting way of breaking it down that sounds like it subverts a lot of tropes and does interesting things with them Mm -hmm. and it's a great way and it's a great like low budget look and flick like that's kind of what i like about westerns west westerns right now is not not really the low budget look but like a western is very much uh um it kind of takes that man versus nature uh idea uh, where like you are in what is going to be a hostile environment regardless. Right. Um, but it's also the dy- the dynamics and interplay of people within that hostile environment. Um, actually in a way that, uh, oh, who's the dude that does um, Yellowstone in 1883? Ty Sheridan, I think is his name. Or Taylor oh, I Sheridan. didn't realize. Uh, yeah, he's the one who did, um, who wrote Sicario and... Um... Heller High Water and Wind River. Wind River. Yes, I like his work. I didn't know he did Yellowstone in 1883. I didn't know that until recently either. But oh, the, like, well, now I have to watch those because his his like American West trilogy, the three mm-hmm. movies we just named are fucking brilliant. So yeah, and um, he's, yeah. he's really good at bringing that into kind of the modern the modern lens 
in, in a in a great way in a great way. He's a he's a really fucking good uh, director in that way. And the cool thing is, like, I'm a history nerd, and the cool thing about that is you get to uh, you get to peel that back a little bit when you watch older movies that are the influence on what's going on now. You want to watch a you want to watch a Jackie Chan flick and really appreciate it. Go watch some Buster Keaton films. Like nice. seriously, watch like watch the original like stuntman director actor who was also hilarious. Uh, oh, well, Buster then, Keaton's brilliant. I, I watched his movies in film school and it was awesome. They're so fun, and you get to see like like because I I knew generally who Buster Keaton was, but then when I started watching a couple of his movies, um, Sherlock saw, Jr. is my favorite. Oh, it's so fucking funny, dude. Um, Real quick, if I may. Taylor Sheridan is who we're Taylor talking about. Sheridan. Okay. Look at this guy's writing credentials. Sicario, Hell or High Water, Wind River, Sicario 2, The New Without Remorse. I'm going to watch it now that he's involved. I didn't realize he wrote the screenplay for it. Wow. Um, Those Who Wish Me Dead with um, Angelina Jolie. I heard good things about that. Mm-hmm. Yellowstone, Mayor of Kingstown, and 1883, all created by him. Damn. Okay. Mayor Those are all things I'm going to watch now. Looks legit, too. Yeah. Um, I really like his work. So I'm going to watch all those things now. Yeah. And he's very much got a great way of putting together something that has the feel of a post Western. It's one yeah. of the reasons why Wind River works works so well. Um, in yeah, this, what, a, what a horrible crisis going on that he really sheds a light on in a really poignant and well written way. He gets to shed a light on something in a very, in a very pointed and specific way. Um, specifically, uh, uh, Native women disappearing and getting ignored. And he gets, and he does get to shine that light on it. It does, like I, like I, like honestly, like the the epitaph of that movie brought a lot of attention to that, from what I understand. Yeah. Um, and the the cool thing about it is that movie is much like the, much like very early post westerns is actually super light on the action until it fucking hits. Oh, dude, that 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 scene towards the end when they have the ambush outside of the trailers. Mm-hmm. Holy shit! That was yeah. well directed action right there. Every yeah, everything about it, and like and you know, like I said, and I'll, I'll also like like in, in future installments of this when I get to bring up the cool things about about cult films and where and where cult films have have influenced uh, uh, modern like really good movies that you all that you all probably know. I'm excited when it comes down to that, um, especially when it comes down to Hard Target because. Um, uh, gonna build up to hard target. We're, 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 we're gonna, gonna make build you up wait to hard for it. target. Yeah, <laughs> but but it will but it will be fun. Yes. I um, I think Wind River is probably Jeremy Renner's best acting role, in my opinion. I think he kills it in that movie. Yeah. When I first heard about it, I was like, eh. like I'm sure Jeremy Renner's a nice guy, but as an actor, I'm just kind of like he's good, but not like excellent, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I finally watched Wind River, I was like, holy shit! Like this is a really good movie. He he's got some chops. Elizabeth Every, Olsen is awesome as always. She's brilliant. Uh, yeah, Elizabeth Olsen is a freaking fantastic. Yeah, exactly. Another fantastic a- a- actor. Like that. I I do think it speaks to the fact that like everybody that pops up in these Taylor or Tyler Sheridan. I'm totally blanking. Taylor. Taylor. These Taylor Sheridan movies. Um, I think it really does speak to the writing of Taylor Sheridan that. Um, I believe he directed those as well. He's got such a way of 
letting characters own a fucking scene. God, I know we're going way off of way off a of high plains drifter. Um, he directed Wind River. He did. Um, he, direct, he directed. He didn't. He didn't. Yeah, obviously, he didn't direct Sicario. That was Danny Villanueva. Um, mm. But he did. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he did Wind River, and he did um, Those Who Wish Me Dead, and then um, he's directed episodes of 1883 and Yellowstone and Mayor of Kingstown. Oh yeah. So well, I need it, to watch all three of those now. I mean, um, I mean, Dennis Villanueva and or Danny Villanueva and and do the, like the way he did. Um, Dude, I can't believe Sicario. I got to meet him. Every movie he's done, I've just been in love with. I can't believe I got to meet him. And I was wearing my mm-hmm. Baby Yoda shirt, and he was like. I thought that it was Gremlins for a moment. That would have been sacrilege. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my favorite director. <laughs> like, you know, so it was awesome. <laughs> I, I do have to say, um, when you think about things like, like, like uh, when you think about the way that directors do shoot um, something like, uh, I, I, I think that, I think that, um, that uh, Sicario is actually a really great representation of that, that, the Western movie framing and the way to set up a shot. Um, and I mean, fuck the way to frame action all put into a very good modern context, because like, I mean, anybody who's seen Sicario, you can see in your head, the second you think of Sicario, you can think of that last no, couple no, frames. No, 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 no. <laughs> little yeah. Easy, yeah. You can think you, you, you like, you know, the music backwards um, and you, everybody knows that last frame of fucking Benicio del Toro and Emily Blunt having a fucking stare down. Like they, like the, the shots are amazing. They're iconic. And they know, like he knows when to go wide and make something feel expansive. He knows when to go narrow to keep the drama. And the cool thing about watching old Westerns, like if you want to, if you want a proto Sicario guy, I'm going off on a Western tangent. Uh, you well, want we gotta, proto- real quick. We got to talk about how good he is at building tension in like prisoners mm-hmm. and arrival. And even oh, Blade yeah. Runner 2049 is just like, this is totally turned into a bow down to Denny Villanueva session real quick, but Oh my God, he's yeah. great. Well, you get to see that. You get to see that influence. That's what's cool. Uh, like if you want a proto Sicario um, that I like, I, I guarantee fucking to you, this is a movie that Dennis Villanueva probably knows. Um, it's Outlaw Josie Wales. Um, it. it is another Clint Eastwood movie directed by Clint Eastwood. And the 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 reason that I bring it up is like the whole reason I watched is because when I started getting into Westerns, I asked my dad, dad, what is your favorite Clint Eastwood Western? And he said, High Plains Drifter, Outlaw Josie Wales. And, and a third and his third was Hang Em High. All cowboy movies, all Clint Eastwood. I can't remember if Clint Eastwood directed Hang 'em High, but the thing about Outlaw Josie Wales is it has that same uh, ability to build tension in it, um, specifically with a couple scenes because most of the movie is Clint Eastwood trying to get away from people, and it's in that seventies, slightly tongue in cheek, but he's gonna get like he's gonna get. Uh, killed by this uh, group of of union fuckheads uh, if he gets caught. Like, I think this is the Missouri Red Legs is who's coming after him, and he's and he's like a, a holdover. Like he's like the last guy who hasn't surrendered during the Civil War or some shit. Oh, wow. um, and he's just trying to go off and make a homestead. But basically, also the like the 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 group that's coming after him, they massacred his whole unit. Like when his unit when his unit surrendered, they massacred his whole unit in the first couple minutes. And also, this is the same guy that burned his home to the ground and kill his whole family. Um, oh. And, and when you get to 
the last standoff in this movie, you get to see into the past of where the last showdown shots in really good movies comes from because there is a scene and I'm not spoiling anything. It's like a 50 year old fucking movie at this point, (laughs) but there's a scene because outlaw Josie Wells has three revolvers. He's got two, he's got two big ones. He's got a third one that's on his belt. And when he is staring down the bad guy and he like, and they've had the shootout and he is just clicking, 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 and you're seeing his fucking eyeballs. Oh. And it's like empty, empty, empty. And he tosses one aside and he pulls out that third gun. It's just empty, empty, empty. And, you know, uh, when the when the fucking when the last kill comes, it's earned. It's tense. And you you see like the build up to it's 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 like he's playing freaking three gun Russian roulette. Oh. And it's an and it's an excellent scene, and you get to see that in the way Emily Blunt stands off of Benicio del Toro. You get to see that in like like every good we're gonna keep you waiting until the bad guy fucking deserves to die. Last couple frames, uh, you get that here, and it's absolute and it's absolutely worth it. That's awesome. So for your Thursday night movie night. Uh, or Friday night, or if you got, or if you want to just find something, find something to check out this weekend, check out High Plains Drifter and see how that has affected modern cinema. If you want a little bit of an off the beaten path, slightly off the beaten path, Clint Eastwood movie, as opposed to just watching the Dollars Trilogy again, which I also recommend. That's solid, man. Thank you for presenting that to us. And this has been a great conversation about cinema that just kind of blossomed from there and went around. Mm-hmm. So this is our new Thursday night tradition. And uh, we're going to start doing that because uh, eventually hard target will be pro- will be pitched mm-hmm. eventually, but we're going to work up to it. We're going to, we're going to annoyingly bring it up every time. We're going to, we're we going to WrestleMania the shit where <laughs> I'm just going to keep like, we're going to keep bringing it up until it's pay-per-view. And then, and then you have to watch it. Perfect. <laughs> well, thank you for this special episode of Nerds and Friends. Thank you, Carrie. And thank you, everyone who listened. All righty. Have a good one.